0: You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Carolyn Ahrens is a singer, a songwriter, author, a speaker, and director of education for Renovare, which was founded by Richard Foster to help people in their spiritual formation, partly by providing practical resources for cultivating what they call the with God life. My favorite role for her, though, is as a highly valued Faith Today columnist. I'm Karen Stiller, and I spoke with Carolyn about her work as a writer, the beautiful freedom of spiritual disciplines that don't actually feel like disciplines in the way we might usually understand that word, and hope for the people who just can't get their act together in that department. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you haven't read Carolyn Aarons and Faith Today, email me at senioreditor@faithtoday.ca at faithtoday.ca, and I'll make sure you get a copy. So, Carolyn, I would call you one of our beloved Faith Today columnists. People love your work. You win awards. We love you, even as we nag you sometimes. Um, (laughs) And you're also a songwriter. And if I understand your history, that's really where you started. But so I would like to throw out this big question to start with, just to ask you to tell us about the role of writing and art in your life as as a professional, but also in your faith life. Ah, it's a great question. Uh, yeah,
1: you know, um, it's always dangerous when somebody answers a question like that with the words, when I was a child, uh, (laughs) because, because I trust, you know, know it's going to be a long answer, but, uh, as a kid, I was really, really shy and, uh, found writing both music and written writing and reading um, as a way of kind of finding my voice. So that happened really early on and and very early on became a part of kind of my prayer life, my ongoing conversation uh, with God. So when I was a kid, actually, if you'd asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said an author because I loved reading so much. And then uh, when I was about 10, my dad brought a guitar home and I... Um, I wrote a song for Mother's Day that was a huge hit in the in the house and um and that started this kind of long love affair with expressing things through music and and now these days it it can come out either way but um yeah just any kind of chance to work with language to try to express ultimate things uh has turned out to be really life-giving to me as a human and especially life-giving uh in my in my back and forth with the God who loves me.
0: Yeah. One thing that I really like about your work as a writer and your work in Faith Today magazine specifically is you have a a column space and you almost always weave in or start with or end with a personal story. And it's more than an anecdote. Like I don't think you're using the personal story as sort of a prop. You are sharing something from your life and heart that has helped you learn something about God or that God has used to teach you something. And I, I just, I love that. And it makes me remember each time the power of being vulnerable and transparent and also the power of story uh, to connect us. And I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, it's funny. Uh, uh, a few years ago I I was getting my master's at uh, Regent college And writing a column for another magazine at that time. And all of a sudden my columns got like really didactic and really teachy. And my editor at the time said, you have to stop doing that. Uh (laughs) It's not, it isn't helpful. And, and it brought back to me the truth that, yeah, the primary, the primary thing we have to offer is our story. Um, Because that's, that's where things get out of the abstract and into down into real real life. And if sort of the ideas, I love abstractions. I love concepts. I love, uh, you know, working out intellectual models for things, but if they don't, if they don't have traction kind of down with what happens with our family and what happens with, in our neighborhoods, um, then they're kind of useless. You know, it's, that's sort of a take on first (laughs) Corinthians 13. You know, if I, I, if I could spin out the loveliest ideas, but if they don't, if they're not incarnated in real human life, then they're kind of a clanging gong. So, uh, so yeah, I really, I really believe in the power of story and in understanding that each one of us—we're um, not some little abstraction on this planet. We're part of God's story, which is actually going somewhere. You know, it's not petering out. He's actually working towards the redemption and restoration of all things. So, my little story and the little snapshots from my life are kind of part of this. Uh, bigger stories. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, always kind of reconnecting ourselves with the stories of our lives and, and God's story. And it saves me from myself and from a world of abstraction.
0: And I think it takes a a certain amount of courage um, to share those kinds of stories because they're not usually stories about how like how smart we are or, (laughs) you (laughs) know, how good we are at um, doing whatever. Like often the stories that we really connect with are usually ones where I can say, oh, Carolyn struggles with that, too. Maybe I can have grace with this as well, or something. They call each of us forward. So, do you ever wrestle with um, how transparent to be, or do you have what I think it's Brene Brown who calls uh, vulnerability hangovers the next day? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure, and I, I and
1: I think even more than a vulnerability hangover, you know, just having discernment around um, what what is what is helpful to share you know what is what is what would actually help somebody else in their journey um yeah it's a tr- it's a tricky thing i think for me uh, you know it, back in my touring days as a recording artist uh the very first artist uh that i did a long tour opening for was a guy named rich mullins some people will know his music really wonderful songwriter. And sometimes people would say to him, you know, how do you stay humble when you're on a stage every night? And he would say, "Oh, no, I stay humble because I'm on a stage every night because you wouldn't believe how many things go wrong and how often I'm a goof and um you know, uh uh I can't help but be humble because of the reality of my life. And uh for me, I don't know that I'm necessarily trying to choose Really vulnerable and transparent stories so much as they're just the ones. Uh, what am I trying to say? I think with with it's in my own brokenness and vulnerability that God has the best opportunities to break into my life. It's kind of, it's the letter Cohen thing. There's cracks in everything. Everything that's how the light gets in, or the Apostle Paul in my weakness is where you're strong. So I, I'm not I'm not trying to. Um, you know, only tell stories that put me in a bad light or something like that. But it's just that it, usually when I'm the goofiest, God is the greatest. <laughs> oh, I love that. That should be
0: a bumper sticker. A new bumper sticker.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so that that's just where the, the best fruit is, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, in those moments of vulnerability.
0: I mean, and you know, that is when we learn uh, the most from God, isn't it? And when we feel the most loved by him, I think when we're, yeah, not necessarily at our lowest, but when we realize our need. And I I think that's more profound than we think it is. We sort of take that for granted, but I think it's deeply true the longer I live. yeah, And I think, you know, I, I think I
1: used to think that as I grew up in faith, it would mean I would get... To the end of my rope less often mm-hmm. and what I'm learning is that what it actually means is I get to the end of my rope faster <laughs> like like I, I I have to over and over and over again uh, become reacquainted with my own poverty of spirit which you know Eugene Peterson used to say recognizing our poverty is just recognizing that we do not have in and of ourselves what it takes to live a, a full life the kind of life for which we were made. And so, uh, so now, instead of fighting getting to the end of my own resources quite so hard, I, I'm able to get there faster and go, oh, yeah, right. I don't have what it takes. And so it's actually, it's a funny definition of progress, but I, I find I can get there quicker
0: yeah that that is super helpful actually, and it makes me think about your work. Um, I think of you mostly and fondly as a beloved faith today uh, writer, as I mentioned, but you are also, among other things, director of education for Renovare. so I'd love for you for you to tell us all about Renovare and your work there, and then let's dig a little deeper into some of those topics of spiritual formation.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Renavari is a, a, a Christian spiritual formation organization. It was founded by Richard Foster. A lot of people know his book, Celebration of Discipline, which, which was really kind of a benchmark book on rediscovering ancient Christian practices and rhythms as part of our life with God. And that book. Um, I have a whole funny history with that book because when I first heard the title "Celebration of Discipline," I thought that was about the most unappealing <laughs> title I had ever heard in my life. What? Who would celebrate discipline? You know, I'm a, I'm a musician, um, uh, and uh, but anyway, that book ended up being really important in my own journey, and a whole bunch of different Renovari resources and paradigms have become. Really important to me in my own life with God and in chances I was getting to lead retreats and do things like that. And about um, four and a half years ago, I was on, I had gone to Regent College. I was on a Regent College alumni page and I saw this uh, uh, little ad that said, Renovari is looking for a director of education. And I don't even think that I knew at that point that Renovari was a uh, was an organization. I just knew that I'd seen their logo on so many uh, resources that have been helpful to me. But when I saw that I felt like somebody hit a tuning fork and put it on my chest and I just started to buzz. And I thought, Oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. So um, I've ended up getting to work with this amazing uh, it's actually a remarkably small organization given its reach uh, and it just exists to help people with their friendship with God, help people be intentional with their life with God. So there is uh, a lot of that is mining the riches of kind of ancient Christian practice of how can we open ourselves up intentionally to what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, But I get to splash around and play with that in a bunch of different ways. One is by uh, overseeing something called the Renovari Institute for Christian Spiritual Formation, which is a two-year program. That people take who want to kind of do a deep dive in this way of thinking about life with God. And I also get to do the Renovari Book Club, which uh, this year we've got about 1800 people going through these great books in the tradition. So it's a really fun
0: job. You know, when you say, uh, when you talk about that two-year program, and I had uh, read about that a little bit, and something in me immediately went, oh, you know, directions, instruction, assignments, <laughs> like, oh, I can do that, do, 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 And I and then I thought, Maybe I'm not supposed to feel that way. Maybe that maybe that's like yeah. the opposite of spiritual formation. So I get confused when I think about that stuff because I, I feel like, yeah, give me work to do, but I'm not sure that's what it's about. Is it? Uh, well this,
1: you're speaking to attention in my own life too. Uh, and, and, uh, Yes and no is the answer to that question. Yes, yeah, I think I think there is a place for intentionality in our life with God, as there is uh, in in anything else. You know, a, a key text for me is Haggai. Can you believe that of all no. places? But the the <laughs> the first chapter of Haggai. You know, the Israelites have been in exile. Uh, they've come back home and they have been meaning to rebuild the temple. And of course, if, you know, if you follow what happens with the temple in scripture, temp- the temple represents their intentional life with God, their time with God. And they've, they've been meaning to rebuild it because when they moved back, it was in ruins and they, and it's been like 18 years and they, um, you know, I, I can t- I totally can see it. They've moved back in and they're like, well, yeah, we really need to rebuild the temple, but first we need to get our roads happening again and our houses set up and our schools so that our kids are safe. And then as soon as we kind of get the infrastructure back into place, we'll rebuild the temple. And like, they've been meaning to get to it for 18 years. And finally, like through the prophet Haggai, the Lord says something like, is Actually, I'll read it to you. He says, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Well, this house remains a ruin. And then he says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. It's like, it's so 21st century. It blows my mind. It's like, you're living in this land of diminishing returns where the harder you work, the more behind you are you know and it's never ever enough and the lord through haggai diagnoses it and he says it's because you 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 haven't put the temple back together you haven't this was meant to be the center of your life this time with me and so i read that and as someone who means to get to a lot of things and you very kindly referred to my tendency to get my columns in late i mean to get to my columns right this is the, the tone and character of my life. There are so many things that I mean to get to. Right. And, and this, you know, so the, the intentionality side of spiritual formation of our life with God is so that we don't get to 60 or 70 years older to our deathbed and go, oh man, I meant to get to that. Right. So that, that's the part where yes, some structure, some intentionality can be helpful, But the goal is always just life and friendship with God. And it's as open handed and free spirited and creative as as God is. And so, yeah, there's this huge, it's ultimately just all invitation. It's all like, hey, let's play around and figure out the best way for us. Uh, to connect. So there is this kind of double dance um, and in different seasons and maybe for different temperaments, more structure is called for. And in other other seasons and other temperaments, more kind of playfulness and freedom and letting go of rules is called for. And I'm giving you a really long answer, but the last thing I'll say is that one of my favorite things I've heard said uh, about Jesus is that he comforts the disturbed and he disturbs the comfortable. And um, I think he's like that with everything. He, he 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 offers structure to those of us who are dying for lack of structure, and he offers freedom for those of us who are way overstructured. And it's this constant sort of dance and discernment and journey together of like, how can we best forge this friendship?
0: Yeah, oh, that's really helpful. And That uh, idea of offering freedom to the highly structured uh, gives me insight into something that's happened in my life recently where I finally um, started going to see a spiritual director which is something I'd thought about for years and I met a woman at just the right moment who told me about her spiritual director and I was like, I am finally going to do this. and I realized that I had quickly, maybe too quickly <laughs> showed her my cards. Cause I'm like, give me homework. I really want homework. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, going to give you any homework. And I mean, I begged and she did throw me a, a crumb. So I was uh, helpful, thankful, but, <laughs> but that's, that helps me understand that, um, you know, that, that she was understanding a challenge that I clearly am grappling with. So. That's yeah.
1: Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense and I'm that is thrilling to hear you found a, a spiritual director. That's been a, a fairly recent part of my life with God too maybe in the last 4 or 5 years and boy that can be such a huge gift just to have someone who will sit with you and help you um listen to god to to that's their only job is just to help you detect the movement of god in your life and my director is actually very similar i'm always wanting homework and she's always just <laughs> Oh, too funny. One of our, one of the big phrases we actually use in the Institute is do spiritual disciplines as you can, not as you can't. Like, do, do them in the way where they're bringing life, not in the way where they're not bringing life. And I remember when I first started work, you know, when I first came to the Institute and I heard one of our faculty members teach that, I was scandalized. I was like, well, what if, what if the discipline in question is, is, uh, prayer, because they would say, you know, if it's not bringing you life, quit. And I, I would think, well, what if it's prayer? You can't quit praying. Um, but but their point was, oh, there's a thousand ways to pray. There's a thousand ways, uh, you know, to cultivate a, a conversation with God. So if the way that you're doing isn't bringing you life, if it isn't producing more fruit in your life of love, um, then then stop it. Do something different, you know? And that's a, just a whole different way of thinking than than I used to think. I used to have spreadsheets and <laughs> habit trackers and the whole deal, right?
0: Yeah, that is that is a very freeing thought. Now, this morning I was on the Renovare site, and this goes, I think, exactly to what you're saying. And I there's a page there about spiritual disciplines. I clicked on it excitedly. And I was expecting, of course, to see things like prayer and worship. But Actually, the list was really long, but in a really good way, like there simplicity was listed, submission, service, celebration. And I, I've never thought of celebration as a spiritual discipline, but it resonated deeply with me. I was like, yeah, that totally is a spiritual discipline. So making that list long actually seemed like a wonderful gift. Is that obviously that's intentional. You guys have thought through that. It's, it's just a broader way of looking at it. Yeah. And, and to begin to realize, you
1: know, to begin to kind of heal the split that so many of us have between a sacred and secular and realize, no, 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 it's all under, uh, God's gaze. So, you know, my husband says that mountain biking is one of his most important spiritual disciplines. It's where he, uh, gets his best praying done, where he feels most, uh, most aware of God's movement in the world and in his life, and that you know for him he has to be moving he's kinesthetic, he has to be moving for prayer to be profitable for him, so some idea of you know some sort of cloistered kneeling still thing is not isn't isn't that helpful so yeah, the list is is very long in in celebration of discipline Foster's work, I think there's about twelve kind of. Big classic disciplines that he recognizes uh, that include celebration and submission, but then from there it's it's really unlimited. You know, we have one of our faculty members, Trevor Hudson. One of his spiritual disciplines is uh, he was trying to cultivate more joy and spontaneity in his life. He can be quite serious, so one of his disciplines is his. He and his wife have a rule; they ha- usually have the radio on at home. And I think it's if Ed Sheeran or Sam Smith come on the radio, then no matter what they're doing, they have to meet in, in the kitchen and dance for the duration of that song. Wow. I love that. Yeah. And that's part of his rule of life, you know, and part of what he feels God is inviting him into in this season of his life. To um, So it's yeah, it's pretty creative and pretty fun. I, I, I work with Nathan Foster, who's Richard's son. Nate's got this thing where he's always looking for little chances to die, which sounds like, you know, again, when I first heard this, I thought, okay, we need to get some therapy for (laughs) this guy. (laughs) But what he means is, uh, you know, he felt like, The Lord was inviting him into a season of like, how can you get creative in those little deaths to self that are ultimately freedoms? And so he just started like, uh, you know, when he's parking somewhere and there's a part, it's raining and there's a parking space really close to the door, saying, you know what, I'm going to leave that space for someone else uh, who might be blessed by not having to run in the rain. I'm going to park further away or I'm not going to take the coveted aisle seat at the movie theater or at church, just these little tiny, uh, invitations. So it can become quite, quite creative and quite adventurous, I think.
0: Um, Of course, you're finding out about um, uh, these other spiritual habits of other people because you're in community and you are interacting with them. And I I see that in your work and your writing. And I guess I'm bringing us back full circle in a way about being transparent and honest in community. Can you um, speak to the the need for that in our lives as believers? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, And. Really,
1: as an introvert, it's been a long journey for me because I I would left to my own devices, uh, go to a more solitary position, uh, and yet anytime I will take the risk of Transparency and availability, like kind of consistent availability to another person or a group of people. There's always so much growth in that. It's fascinating at the Institute, um, how often people say they were, you know, a lot of them are like you, okay, finally, I'm going to organize my spiritual <laughs> life and I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have, uh, I'll get evaluated and I'm going to get an A on my life with God. And, um,
0: <laughs> <Uh-oh>, <laughs> uh, you know, my number.
1: <laughs> cause I, I, I see the same person when I look in the mirror. Um, but, uh, anyway, a lot of them, they, they come into the program, uh, expecting certain gifts from the program which they do receive but all, almost always they say the biggest gift it has turned out to be community especially the introverts especially the ones who have kind of somewhat avoided community and and they find it kind of astonishing um, how much we just we just need to uh, incarnate god's grace and mercy and compassion to each other that's that's a big part of his MO. Uh, that's, that seems to have been the design from the beginning that that we're meant to do that. So it's become, uh, uh, it's still an area of growth for me to be, well, it's back to that intentionality to not go, Oh, I meant to have coffee with that person and realize it's three years later. Um, but yeah, anytime we can intentionally put ourselves into, Uh, community that's willing to go deep on these things. I think there's just uh, so much promise and potential in that willingness to make ourselves open to other people.
0: Carolyn, as uh, as we wind up, um, I feel like you've probably already given this, uh, you know, sort of advice or guidance throughout our conversation. But the last question I wanted to ask you was if somebody was listening to this and was just kind of a, would consider themselves to be like a wreck at spiritual disciplines, or they just can't get themselves together. I love that idea of do, do what you can, not what you can't. Um, but Mm. what other guidance or encouragement would you give that person? It's a great question. I
1: think, uh, yeah first of all, to realize that this is all invitation. This isn't anything that we do to earn God's favor or uh, get him to like us more you know he he's he it's all invitation to discover how much we are already loved uh, and then to sort of. Find maybe another person, maybe a spiritual director, just a friend who can help you discern, okay, do I need more structure or do I need more freedom? Like this conversation that we've been having. And then maybe to just try one practice for a season. Uh, And that could just be, okay, I'm going to Pray a passage of scripture each morning before I look at email or anything online. Something that maybe has like a trigger uh, or can be stacked with a a habit that you already have and just play around with it and keep tweaking it. Uh, But just do one thing. Don't be like I tend to be and have a spreadsheet with 14 columns. Uh, Just look for one thing that you sense the Lord might be inviting you into uh, and just experiment with it for a while. And uh, And then again uh, invite some part, some sort of community, one other person to help you, uh, uh, maybe stay accountable to whether you're trying that thing and also to evaluate whether it really is giving, giving you life and then just kind of go from there.
0: Beautiful. Carolyn, thank you so much. Before, before we say goodbye, where can people, uh, find you online and renovare? Well, Renovari is at Renovari.org, and it's spelled
1: R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E.org. Uh, and then I'm at Uh, and uh, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and erratically on Instagram. Uh, uh, just, uh, you can just Google my name and, and you'll find me. Wonderful. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.